Oh, welcome into another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast. We are connecting with you, Italian football fans from all over the world, celebrating an Inter victory. I, I did not think we would be celebrating based on the way the game started. And I know it was a Darby d'Italia that was not short of controversy. Uh, I did invite a Juventino on to join us in this episode, and he declined, claiming he had some things going on. I think he just didn't want to eat a little bit of crow and eat some humble pie. So we have an Interista on instead. We've got, of course, Jerry Mancini with us. As always, I am Alex Dono. Anthony Privatera from Inter Worldwide joins us. Let me introduce Anthony before we introduce Jerry. So, Anthony, you and I were talking a little bit before the show about, you know, the way each of us in our corners of the world were watching that Juve versus Inter match. And, yeah, I didn't even think about celebrating or thinking, hey, this is going to be an Inter win until even after the final whistle. Yeah. What was there? Three penalty shots in the final 65 seconds. None of them legit whatsoever. Uh, we got the win. That's the most important part. First of all, thanks a lot, Jerry, and yourself for having me back. It's great to be back um, on this awesome platform. But to get three points in the derby, playing Allegri ball against Allegri, it was poetic. And I really don't care how the goals came. I really don't care what happened throughout the match. This match ended to us, and it was a very important step to make sure that we hit our bare minimum expectations for the season. One of those expectations are not to allow a Juventus side that we were anywhere from 10 to 14 points above at some point, creeping back above us on the table. Because that would have been unforgivable, Alex, my friend. But to win the derby, very, very good feelings. Can't wait to talk all about it. My reaction, same as yours. Couldn't celebrate until I saw that the you know the scoreline bar actually removes itself from the TV or whatever it is you're watching. I'm like, now the game's over. We've got three points in the derby. First win there in 10 years since Tramala. And we move forward. And I, re I really thought, uh, Jerry, the only Inter player who played well was Milan Skriniar. I mean, he was he was a human wall. Pretty much everything else in the defense was shaky at times. Samir Handanovic nearly let in the howler of all howlers. That punch that he did that somehow went straight up and even behind his head that should have been a Juventus goal. Inter's midfield looked disjointed. The attack struggling to create chances and score as they've been for the last couple of months. So I certainly feel fortunate. Um, I'm not going to make any apologies for it because I, I think I've, I've watched enough Interperformances not only this season but over the last several years where they'll play well enough in the run of play to win and they give up a stupid chance and they drop points so I will take the opposite I will take a game where they are outplayed by the opposition and of course I will never apologize for a victory at Allianz Stadium because uh, that's been a very tough place for Inter and for anybody to win except for Simone Inzaghi Simone Inzaghi seems to collect victories on the road at Juventus, whether he's Lazio or Inter on a semi-regular basis. I think he's the first the first manager uh, to win road games at that specific stadium with two different clubs. That's a historical distinction that Simone Inzaghi has now earned. And so uh, I make no apologies for it. And, and we'll, we'll dive into the controversy as well. But Jerry, what were your main reactions and takeaways from that match? Well, I want to say a shout out to Sean Collins. Good guy. Um, and uh, I actually had to watch this game with uh, at the All Juve Club. In you brought us good luck, Jerry. Yeah, I went to a. That's Juve awesome club. that you went. I went to. There was actually a, a few Inter fans at this club. It was pretty cool, but it was a, a watch party. And, and shout out to Daniel Lucci and uh, Anthony Sc Scanja 
from uh, all UVCast who invited me and did a hell of a job, I must say, organizing this event. And uh, it was actually really good. And the and the UV supporters were actually very respectful of me, even though I came in with Lazio gear, um, all Lazio out, and, and I had an Oiler hat on. And so, like, <laughs> it was funny. But um, so you pissed off a lot of people. So you're no. in you're in Toronto wearing an Edmonton Oilers hat. And you're at a Juve watch party wearing Lazio gear. It's pretty much. I don't, strange. Pretty much. I didn't care. But <laughs> the game itself, I tweeted out that Screenyard was the man in the match and that he was incredible for for Inter. And I had Juve fans attack me, basically saying that if you think that someone who needs another player in the back is, is good defending, then there's something wrong with you. Well... Kalini made his life playing that kind of way, that physicality of being behind you and being physical on you. And all of a sudden, because Greenyard does it, it's all wrong. It, it's what has made Kalini so successful is because he's in your head and he doesn't do it in the box either. He does it outside. He doesn't give you time and space. I don't see anything wrong with it. Like for me, I, I want to see that in defenders because, how, how much can you take away from a defender trying to play a game? Like if you take everything away, they're, they're, they're vulnerable. I know that you, you want to make the game more exciting and the scoring and the action, but I think there has to be some leeway for defenders. But um, aside from Screenyard, I thought nobody on Inter looked good. Maybe, maybe Jack Gall. I'll say, I'll give a shout out to Jack Gall because he 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 hustled. I saw a few clips where he went in the corner. He made some good challenges. Um, again, he he's forty years old, guys. Like, what what do you expect from Jekyll, who basically has played majority of the games, and he's been a serviceable player in replace of Lukaku. So at the end of the day, you, you went from Lukaku, who was producing at at a high rate, to a guy like Jekyll, where he his holdups good. His defensive play is good. Maybe he doesn't score recently, but he does assist in other areas. I think Jekyll kind of stood out to me. But other than that, no one else really stood out to me for Inter. So, all right, uh, Jerry, I'll start with you because you're going to be probably less biased on this stuff than Anthony and I will be. What did you think about so multiple different referee decisions have created a lot of controversy, okay? And listen, I... Even as an Interista, I will say I felt fortunate with the way some of these calls went, okay? I don't make any apologies for it because unlike a Juventino, when the referees blow the whistle in my direction, I don't pretend it's not happening. I just say, hey, okay, it happened. <laughs> I move on with my life, all right? So as far as uh, the penalty that Inter were awarded and then the retake, now personally, I thought that the goal on the rebound should have counted, but then they decided... There was uh, what do they what do they call that? Uh, um, I, I can't remember what what the term is for for what happened where they where they retook the penalty kick um, and then uh, well, on, encroachment encroachment that's what encroachment. it was that was the word I was looking for so they decided there was encroachment despite Hakan his original penalty got saved it went in the back of the net on a rebound I thought oh that's going to count it didn't they retook the penalty due to encroachment. The, the second penalty was perfectly taken. The first one was awfully taken, but uh, he was able to get the second one in. And then, you know, among the, there were other calls and non-calls, but the other main one 
was Bastoni, a foul he committed on Zakaria, which they determined was about an inch outside the box. And that's certainly the way that it looked to me, watching it in regular speed and even in slow motion, like the angles that they showed you that the VAR were presumably looking at. Uh, I, I have seen, though, on several Twitter accounts, screenshots uh, produced that do make it look as though the contact may have occurred about an inch inside the box rather than an inch outside the box. So instead of the free kick right at, outside the area, uh, Juventini thinking that they should have been awarded a penalty of their own. Uh, so it was certainly uh, it, it was it was a type of game where, unfortunately, uh, the officials get talked about more than the actual 22 men on the pitch so jerry how did you feel about the way the game was called uh did they get anything right did they get everything wrong uh, i'll be honest i think lotero martinez should have got straight red with his boot right into locatelli's face the karate kick yeah yeah i think that's a red um i know a lot of people will say that you're crazy but I thought yeah, like he, I, I, I don't and, care. And listen, I'll, I'll make the case where, uh, you know, he, he was clearly going for the ball and then Locatelli's head ended up getting right in the way. But I, I think, I think a yellow was right, but then he did commit another foul that people thought in the second I half did, should have been a second yellow, which wasn't. I, I, I I'm not done yet though. So oh. I think that's a red yeah. because I don't care if it's accidental it means shit. You, you, you as a player need to be aware of what you're doing and how you're going in and what you're about to do. If you're going to go for that ball that high and his karate kick up to the top, you got to know that your cleats are going in his face though. Like that's, you know what I mean? Like that, I don't like that. Now in defense though, I thought a red should have gone to Locatelli moments later when he karate kicks freaking uh, D'Ambrosio into the chest and that's full cleat again into the chest. So, I think one made up for the other, and that's why Locatelli never got a red on that straight because I both think they should have been sent off. Um, they're both not good challenges for me. I, I don't care. Anytime cleats, it, 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 when when it becomes cleats on the body, it's a very dangerous subject. It's very touchy. Um, in regards to the to the actual penalty that was called you know, awarded to Inter, I agree with the call. It's right. It's soft. It is a soft call because it, it's minimal contact. But in today's football, that's that's nine out of ten normally called. Um, we've seen it on, on a, a lot of occasions. But here, here's the problem: the officiating again is so inconsistent that that may not be called in another game. There might be an instance where it's so soft, might think that there wasn't anything there, and they're trying to embellish it and sell it. So. I thought that it was the right call. Regardless, when you contact a player, especially cleats again on a foot, even if it's bare, it's just you got to know when to make that challenge. And, and there's no need to make it in the first place on the corner there when there's no chance. And then the the encroachment part where the retake of the penalty, I you know what? I never understand this because – it's, it happens so fast that I don't even realize that it's happening, to be honest. Like, I've seen Lazio get a retake penalty before, and it benefited them for a similar instance. And I think that encroachment happens, like, maybe 9 out of 10 times on every penalty. Seriously. And, and it's like they never call it. And well, then, they, they, don't, they probably they probably don't call it if you make it. So that's that's probably I, what it comes I down I feel like to. it happens a lot. We don't notice it because we yeah. don't really pay attention to it because everything's happening so quick. 
Um, but in, I've heard people say that when you look over again, like I think it's Delit that makes the challenge, if I'm not mistaken, on Hakan. And he's already halfway there before he even takes the penalty, apparently. Or like he he's already in in, in proximity to take him down. So and then in defense, again, one more thing is that Hakan gets fouled in the box and he's taken down after the penalty. So does he get a retake anyways if that if that wasn't the case because he was taken on a foul? that prevents him from the rebound or whatever, right? So you can always look at that too. So um, officiating overall was was very poor for both sides. Um, I think a few times Greenier could have got a foul with the knee in the back. Sometimes it, I, I, I know I said before that it's part of the game, but when, when you do it excessively and, and it becomes very hard challenge, it, it's borderline, but uh, – yeah, it's um, and then there's the one uh that Juve never got. People were talking about. I don't remember that one too, to, to be honest. So it was Zakaria. the uh, are you talk? Yeah, it was it was uh, Bastoni was oh, on yes. Zaccaria, and they called it right outside the box. And that's you know in the replays that they were showing during the broadcast, it did look like it was right outside the box. They reviewed it with VAR. They determined it was outside the box. Uh, but, you know, people are going like very forensic on this, like Zapruder film type of thing with screenshots that do make it look like it was just inside the box. So it was it was very close. I will tell you that. Close, but I think it was on the borderline on the line. I, I think any part of your body, even if it's half on the on the box is always uh, is always 50 50. But I'll end it there. I thought the officiating was shit overall. I want to go but, back real, real quick, uh, and, and Anthony can weigh on this as well. Uh, you, what you were talking about, Skriniar and the physical defending, I was having a conversation with Nima about this from Sempre Inter, and I like the way he refers to it. He refers to it as the dark arts that center backs, like the really great center backs are able to, and, and Chiellini is an example that you used, and I think it's an appropriate example, that some of the great center backs, they kind of know the exact limit of what they can get away with with their physicality. And they're very good at not crossing that line in a way that the officials are going to give them whistles and cards. And that's something that Skriniar has gotten very good at, figuring out his limits with what he can get away with. But, Anthony, I'd love to hear your take from an Interista point of view, what you thought about the officiating. Officiating was poor like most officiating is open for interpretation in big games like the Derby and most most games in Serie A. This season, the inconsistencies haven't really favoured one side. I feel like the officiating and the VAR has been consistently shit, if you can say that, for everybody. And everybody has had a stake to claim for saying that they've been hard done by maybe one or two sides more than others. So they need to fix that. But let's not talk about that. Now, the officiating in this particular game, Inter's penalty is a stone wall penalty because... Um, Alvaro Morata makes what you call a typical challenge in the box from someone who's not a defender. It's just ludicrous. Denzel Dumfries is going nowhere. He's boxed out into like the final 10% of the right-hand side of the box. The only the only way that is going to benefit Inter is if it goes out for a corner. That's either going out for a goal kick or a corner. He's going to get pocketed. He's, it's, it's, a, it's a tackle on the trail leg on the opposite side of where the attack is going. It's really stupid. Uh, the penalty decision, I would agree. I think that that sort of should have still, uh, still sh- should have stood as a goal uh, for Inter. 
But if you are going to play the whole Delict interfered card, he is one of the players right in the thick of that little struggle for the ball to go in. So it does make sense to have to retake the penalty. But that's another thing that they need to pick up the consistency on because I've seen plenty of games this season where players rush the box. Hell, most games in the world, players still end up rushing the box to a certain extent. They're going to have to either call every single one of them, in which case teams have got an extra element of their training that they need to implement at the end of every session. Let's practice not running into the box while someone sits there and takes 100 PKs before we all go home to our families because that could cost us points now. And so either be consistently annoying about it so that we can revolt against it and then you can change the law back or just don't do it at all. You, you can't just keep having these moments where you apply rules to one game and it misses the next. And what will happen is the same thing, that referee, although I haven't actually seen him come out and have to apologise or get banned yet. But, you know, Italians, they love to get the referees to apologise, say they've got it wrong and then suspend them for a few games. But that doesn't bring the points back. That doesn't change the result at the end of the day. Um, the push on... Zakaria, very soft. I think it's just outside the box. They can put any screenshot, whatever they want. These days, we're watching replays in 0.0000001% slow motion. You know, you can honestly still freeze and frame anything. Yeah. But the, the the last couple of penalty shouts, the the little flick on Delict, 85 million euro defender, the flick on Vlahovic's face, 75 million euro attacker. I can tell oh, you what, man. They I were forgot both. about that. Oh, that they was were hilarious. tough. Remember, these two dudes are tough nuts, bro. That's Dutch Delict from Ajax and Dusan Vlaovic, the Serbian monster from Fiorentina. Look what happens when you put that Juve jersey on. Look what happens, man. You turn into a beta floppy version of yourself. It's the dark arts, all right, but sometimes it's not a good look. You know, that's really well said. And and obviously, this was a huge, huge match. Uh, because, you know, dropping all the points essentially took Juventus out of the title race. Uh, the slim hopes that they had uh, to still be in uh, Scudetto contention are basically over. And it revitalized Inter's Scudetto hopes. As you take a look at the table, let me, uh, I know my eyes are, are not fairly good enough to read that. So let me enlarge this a little bit <laughs> so you can actually see uh, on the screen, you see the points there all the way on the right. So, yeah, uh, Milan, they dropped points over the weekend against Bologna. Uh, Napoli did win, uh, so it's Milan on 67 points, still leading the way. Napoli on 66 points. Inter, who do have the match in hand against Bologna, 63 points. So if they do win that match, which has been scheduled for later this month, uh, they would be uh, just a point behind the Scudetto lead right now. So it's it's quite gigantic to be back in it, uh, what's your confidence level now, Anthony? Because Inter, Inter do, with, with the exception of, of a couple of tough games left to go, including Mourinho's uh, return to the San Siro uh, in, uh, later this month, I believe, uh, Inter have, I think, an easier fixture list than most the rest of the way. Yeah, but at this point of the season, it's all about who you come up against on their day that still has something to fight for. So you want you want some of the sides that Inter have got, like your Udinese's and your Verona's and your Bologna's at the point of the season where they're pretty much cemented in mid-table and won't come out. However, some of these... All, Serie A needs to take a good hard look at itself because Italian football really is a disaster at the moment. The Miss World Cup qualification is just a reflection on how bad this is. And when you look at no Italian team in the round of 16, and I think I saw a graphic the other day as well, boys, where something like... Two, one or two Italian players were representing in the Champions League quarterfinals or something like that. There's 35 Spanish players stretched across the teams that are playing. 
the talent is unbearable on an international level and it's really starting to trickle through the league as well. There's no real Scudetto winning side this year. It's the yeah. best of a bad bunch. It's the best of a bad bunch. And although I really do hope that we still can win the league, it's depressing how poor Italian football has gotten. But all that aside, if, I think that if we, what Bruno is saying, Inter will be one point behind Milan if they win against Bologna, but after their performances since Fed, do they deserve it? Yeah, like whoever can pick themselves up from this point of the season and finish on top deserves it because everybody's sort of in the same... Yeah. Nobody deserves it. Like that's my nah. thing. And that's that's why I put that comment up there from Bruno. Uh, you know, as if uh, you know, and if Inter were just a point behind, yeah, they've been poor since February. But how many crappy teams have Milan dropped points against? Like before Bologna uh, last month, they had a draw. Salernitana, they dropped. I, yeah. Well, to be honest, the only team that I'm really impressed with at the moment is Napoli. Um, to yeah. get three goals away in Bergamo, they're really playing well, but. They've got some tough fixtures coming up against, and it, it even wouldn't be, it, they wouldn't be bad results for them to drop points because they're having such a good season. I can tell you right now, most level headed Napoli fans are counting down that, those days until it's mathematically done that they're in the Champions League. Everything else for them is just a cherry on top of the cake this season. That's not to say they're not starting to think about it realistically as they should, but they're still just waiting for that moment, that mathematical moment where they've secured top four. Um, I don't think they'll be complacent after that, but who knows? It could look like a slightly different Napoli after mathematically top four is secured. For us, though, Alex, as I said off camera, we are at a critical point now where we've got three very, very winnable games to get back into this Scudetto race. It's the next two fixtures coming up and the fixture in hand, which I think comes after the Roma game. We need three points against Elas Verona, three points against Spezia, that way, for me, it guarantees that we're going to match day 37-38 in a Scudetto race. I said it on my channel, win, beating against you, uh, winning against Juventus was more so about saving our season. Yeah. That's what it was because we, we haven't been fantastic. And right now, we're not really playing like a team that deserves the title. But we have done more than enough this season to be in this title race. It wouldn't feel fair to me personally to be out of this title race on match day 30. That win against Juve coupled up with another couple wins coming up next. I really think that we're going down to the last two days in this race. Whether we win it or not, it's very important, obviously, but just making it to the last couple of days, it is also very, very important, just having that continuity going into next season. It's the title no one wants to win. Jerry, what do you think mm -hmm. about the title race now? Is yeah, At the moment, Milan, Napoli, Inter are separated by four points. If Inter can win their game in hand, it would be one point of separation for three teams. Uh, do you feel like Inter's victory over Juventus, did that change the complexion of the Scudetto race? How how in it are Inter in your mind? They're in it, but to me, I think it's more difficult than what people think it is. Look at this. You still have Coppa Italia midweek match. Yeah. And then you still have Bologna. That's a midweek match. And yep. you're going to be playing midweek while everyone else is resting. So you have to play extra now to catch up. So, mm -hmm. so and then if you win your 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 Coppa Italia match, you got to play next month the final. And then you got to worry about another match again. So whoever wins to go to the final of Coppa Italia has another game to prepare for. So these are factors where I think, and, and I was saying this to, I think it was, Carlo offline and we were talking on the phone and I, and I was telling him like I think it's important that or, or Joseph I don't remember but it's important how how does Inzaghi manage this now how does he manage his his players because 
he can't be playing the same players week in and week out, like every game, like especially if a Copa Italia game, you got to switch that up. But it's important that he tries to get to the final because he, if he doesn't win a Scudetto, he has to win a Copa Italia. It's a big, it's a big um, disappointment. I would say I wouldn't say it's a failure because his first season has been was going to be a difficult season yeah. with obstacles. Okay. Uh, I think he's it's in the same situation, like, sorry, but a little bit more different for him given the fact that he had better players compared to sorry he had to, and it was a change in philosophy. Whereas Nzagi already had the 3-5-2 already set in place, but nonetheless, you can't just say it's easy to walk in and you just take over from Conte because it's two different styles of 3-5-2. Um, yeah, it, it, it all depends how he manages it, like, does he does he finally decide like this weekend he's forced to use Korea because Lautaro Martinez is, is suspended? Like what the fuck? Like, <laughs> seriously, you're 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 forced to use a player you wanted in the first place. Yeah. Like I I joke about it on Twitter and, and, and I think that Korea can do much more compared to what he's done. But I think there's a lot of factors with Korea. One, he's injury prone. Um, two, he's inconsistent. Three, he hasn't played regularly to help him build that consistency right now in, in defense. So it, it, it kind of like contradicts itself because the first two kind of washes him out, but then you, stay, you say to yourself, well, he is those two, but he's back from injury and you haven't used him. So what's the issue here? You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't get it, but you know, it, I gotta tell you when when, when when neither guy is in goal scoring form, because clearly Lautaro isn't and Korea hasn't been, uh if, if neither of them are scoring themselves, I actually think Korea can be more valuable because of his movement. I, I think he can open things up more for the midfielders to score because Lautaro, unfortunately, uh, as we've seen, and he's had a couple moments here and there, like he had the, the hat trick against Salernitana. He did have a beautiful goal against Liverpool, but for the most part, for the last two months, he's been shit. Uh, so, and, and when he's not scoring, I don't think he helps the team as much as Correa can. Because like when Correa came on against Juventus, I thought the team looked brighter with him on the pitch than they did with Lautaro. And, you know, and as far as his goal scoring form, which hasn't been there, uh, he did have a nice outing against Verona the first time that they squared off. That was when he made his inter debut, came on as a substitute, and scored a brace. So I, may, maybe he'll have some kind of an emotional lift from that memory, and he could score a goal or two. But I, I think that honestly, if Lautaro isn't so, like Lautaro is a better player, but when he's in form like this, I think Correa can actually help the rest of the team more than Lautaro can. Oh, well, I, I want to jump in one more thing, Caicedo. What a f- I don't care eight hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> Fucking don't even waste his time, man. The guy could be playing somewhere else, like playing. Like, what, what's he doing on the bench? Play him 40 minutes. He, he's a useful striker. Like, a guy Unzagi wanted again, not using him. Like, it, all, all the bad deals that Beppe Morata had done is not because Beppe Morata did them. They're, they're Inzaghi players that he wanted. Just like Inzaghi want Mohamed Fadis. And the guy can't stay healthy for more than five minutes. Um... There, there are certain players that were he wanted in Zaghi, he got, and they were terrible for Lazio in defense to Tare. And the same thing's happening with Marotta, where he wanted some players, and they're, they're already shit in the bed. Did you really need Correa? Like, seriously, did you need Correa? No. $31 million could have got you another striker. Could have gotten him Belotti, but, perhaps. You know what? Yeah, he gets you Belotti. 
Like I get I get that he scored the four big goals, Korea. He scored the four big goals, but at the end of the day, yeah, sure, he scored the big goals, but I'm pretty sure if you had another striker that can give you much more, you wouldn't be talking about four big goals. You'd be talking about five big wins. You know what I mean? Like I would like to see Caicedo play up front with Korea for a game. Um, that was something that was used regularly at, at lots. Would you start? You'd say start Caicedo and Correa together. Yes, I would. Oh, it's too risky. That's ball. That's that's ballsy going into yeah. a seven-game run to win the title, bro. I don't think yeah. that's time for experimentation like I, this. I, I think, not, I think it's it, not experimentation yeah. though, because they played together at Lazio. Why is it experimentation? When was the last time they played together? But last season. It, to me, that's experimentation. Thirty-one games into the season, they played over twenty games together. Mm. That's insane! Come on, when 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 Immobile comes off, who comes on? Either Correa or Caicedo, and they play together. If Immobile doesn't start, who goes and starts? Caicedo and Correa. That was the trident, man, and it happened for three seasons. So for me, yeah, it's, the re- it's, not, it's not experimentation. You have a guy who has experience, and, and, and if you're not going to start them together, try a half, try a second half at the at the start of second half. Bring him on to start. Change up your forwards. Try something different. But by, by you experimenting, Lataro Martinez and Jekyll, game in and game out, even with seven games left, is it's 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 still suicide as well because you know what you're getting every week. You're getting fucking not fair point. Yeah, you're getting true. shit on a stick. So <laughs> well, so so what what worse can it be with Caicedo and Correa versus Lataro Martinez and Jekyll? Right. Uh, well, that's why we're having the conversation, man. This conversation shouldn't be happening because players like Lautaro and Jekyll should have been able to figure out chemistry by match day 31 this season. So, look, I agree with some of the comments coming in as well that we could have saved money, but could have, would have, should have. We're not the only team this season in over Europe that will look back on their Mercatos and their transfers and go, that's that's the one that we slipped on. And Correa is, is a big one for me. Unless he does something really big until the end of the season, we are Marotta is going to be looking for ways to get him out. Whether or not we've already got him on the books for 31 mil from Lazio is irrelevant to the fact that Marotta will try and use him as a piece to bring somebody else in. And if we have to take an L on a third of his price or half of his price, we might just have to wear it. But it's a blood sport at the moment, this industry. You can't survive a season unless you're good. I think he'll take the loss if he's able to... Hmm. Let's just say that Lautaro Martinez went for 80 million, okay? Hypothetically. He will take the loss for Korea. Because that mm-hmm. sale of eighty million will offset half the sale. I don't think they will because I don't think the accounting works like that. And uh, and, and I, I think because mm-hmm. uh, they, they they're conducted as two completely separate deals. And I think even if you sell Lautaro for a big sum, I think it's still punitive if you take if you take a, a big loss. I mean, listen, every now and then you can take a couple million loss on a player, but if they were to if they were to sell Korea, you'd be taking, like, you know, because what are you actually going to get for him in a fee? You're taking a big loss. So I, I don't think they can do it. I think they have to hold on to him for yeah. for at least another full season. You'd be Probably right. You'd be surprised who will come and buy him. You're not buying Marici. You're buying a player who still has potential. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, you're right. If someone actually gives like, you like it, like so, they bought him for for 31 million. I I do not have the time or the knowledge to do the exact math on it, but like I'm guessing if you were to sell him for something like 
2022, 20, yeah. 22, okay, so yeah, so there, you're better at math than I am. Like, if they were to sell him for 22, they wouldn't be taking a loss. Anything less than that, they would be. So maybe Jerry's right. Maybe you do find a richer club who's willing to, to do something like that. Or like a team in Spain or France that still think he's got something to yeah. offer. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, you wanted him last year. That's true. And and speaking oh. of the Mercato, uh, Anthony brought it up. There's some, and I'm not, I can't, you can't even say rumors because the second you have Sky reporting things, it's no longer rumors, it's reports, okay? About, and we've known this for a while that Lukaku, I, he took the bag, got the money. I think he regrets uh, going to Chelsea. He's trying to get back to Inter. And according to Sky, there may be an opportunity for Inter to bring him back on loan. Uh, reports that Inter might be the favorite to sign Dybala on a free, that it's either going to be Inter uh, or somewhere abroad. And he, according to some reports, would prefer to stay in Italy. So Inter may be the front runners for Dybala. There may be a chance to to bring Lukaku back. Some outlets are reporting they could both come in, uh, which you would assume uh, Alexis, Caicedo uh, would be leaving the club at the very least. Lautaro, I think leaving is also a possibility. So, uh, Anthony, your take on this, because I think what scares me about it, like in a vacuum, I'd love to have both players. And there's there's obviously some risk there because Dybala is injured all the time. Lukaku, um, without Conte and Pintus, I don't know exactly what version of Lukaku you're getting, right? Because unless someone's on him with his fitness constantly, I, I he's not going to be as effective as he was for two seasons under Conte. Still, I would like to have either of them, maybe both of them, but I would be really afraid that if Inter were to bring in both or even one or the other, that could come at the expense of a young rising striker like Scamacca or Raspadori. I'd be afraid to risk either of those two to bring in one or two of these guys. There are so many different options and there are so many different scenarios that you can zigzag together and so many different factors that don't allow you to make one deal without the other. Like, for example, if you're going to bring in Lukaku and Dybala, you can't let Lautaro go. Dybala and Lautaro are bum chums. Lukaku and Lautaro played their best football together. If you're bringing in Lukaku and Dybala, you're literally thinking, we need Lautaro Martinez, and we've got the best. We've, we've got what we need. Everything yeah, will gel together. Correa is friends with those guys as well, so you have to keep Exactly. And, you know, you know, you, we pretty much know Alexis is going to move on and throw up some wave space, but Jekyll still probably wants to play one more season. He, we could move him along as well if we really wanted to, but we'd have to pay, pay him out a little bit as well. It, it's... There are so many different ways to make things possible, but already so many different factors that you need to consider. So with Lukaku, the only way it's going to work is a dry loan. And a dry loan being we can't afford his whole salary for a whole season. We can't afford 12 million. So I would think that Marotta goes up to Chelsea with about seven, seven and a half and goes, here's 60% of his wage. We'll take care of your problem for one year. That allows Inter to not put anything up front. The same way we wouldn't for Dybala. So right there for Dybala and Lukaku, you don't actually have to worry about the books or the plus Valenza, so to speak, because you'd be paying zero dollars up front. You would be able to subsidize yourself for like a year at least. But Skamaka and Raspadori come with superior, what we call Serie A tax at the moment. You are not going to pay anything less than 30 for each, especially now that Raspadori scored a goal or two on international duty for the world to see. Um, everybody's seen Skamaka prove himself week in, week out in Serie A. That, that one of those moves is going to be very, very difficult. The, the most important signing for us is the one that we keep being linked with in defense, which is Bremer. 
because if you get Bremer sorted, then you can just work your way up on our lineup and everything should be okay to maintain a title challenge next season. That's how serious of a replacement for Devay Bremer would be. So one on one hand, you need to ask yourself, are we going to go for a model that is the Lukaku and Dybala model that is going to hopefully return dividends in the short term, especially off the pitch with marketability as well? Um, or do we use whatever wages, wage space, wage gap and space that we've got for a Fratesi or a Scamaca and Raspadori and build for the future? Because I can guarantee you all three of those players at Sassuolo would jump at the idea of joining the reigning Scudetto holders and potential potential champions as well. It'd be a move that all three would be hungry for. So what I wouldn't give to be a fly on the wall of the board meetings and negotiation tactics at the moment. Yeah, and, and Jerry, I, I will admit that uh, I, I'm sentimental with Lukaku, and I also I can get distracted by the shiny objects like Dybala. Despite his injury troubles, he's a glamour player. I mean, he is he's one of the bigger stars in world football, right? When you think about the type of players that appeal to young kids, sell a lot of shirts, you know, you see people around the world walking around with Dybala, Argentinian jerseys, Juventus jerseys. So th there's some glamour in that. At the same time, uh, very rational, everything that Anthony said there, you always have to have one eye on the future, right? A team like Inter, you have to have one eye on the present, one eye on the future, uh, and you don't necessarily want to go all in on players who are a little bit older, a little bit more broken down. You have to think about the future as well. So what do you make, Jerry, about all these transfer reports? I, I'm not sold on Skamaka. I don't think he's as – I think the price for him is way too much. It's high. Okay, so yes, he has 13 goals. But I think a lot of his goals are a little garbage goals, and a lot of a few have been decent, good runs and everything. I just don't think he has good footwork. I don't think his holdup is as productive as you, as many think it is. I don't think he's like his read of the game is not really wowing to me. I think he's better because of Raspadori, and and I think Raspadori is the real deal. I think he. He, he has good technical ability. He's got good dribbling. He can finish. I think he has an overall kind of game. I don't think Skamaka is what Inter should go after. And and I think that whoever buys him to Sassuolo is going to be – they're going to be licking their lips again, just like they sold Jeremy Boga. Um, <laughs> I'm telling you, man. I, I just – I'm, I'm telling you. I don't I – don't, yeah. okay, here, here, look at it like this, okay? Fine. Skamaka, 13 goals. If he's so good, he couldn't score on a fucking Lazio back end, okay? That conceded that that consisted of a freaking Acherby and Patrick. Patrick held him to his <laughs> ground. Like, come on, man. Patrick had him in his pocket. Yeah, Patrick had him in his pocket. So what does that tell you about Skamaka? I, I think he's the problem with Skamaka, he's so inconsistent. He's good today, he's poor tomorrow. Yeah. Like People are saying he's the next thing for Italy. No, no, he's not. He scored on a freaking friendly game in Turkey. Okay? A freaking meaningless game. Call me when we play Spain tomorrow and we got to play the best players and we got to put him up against the best. And how does he break down a Spain defense? How does he break down a Belgium defense? He's you know still got I mean? a lot of time left, though. He's a gambler at this point. Yeah. You never know. What is he, 20, uh, 22? But he's a very ex – he's way, he's an expensive gamble. I get what Jerry's saying. It's the city of our tax, man. Any, anywhere else in the world, this guy's worth 20 million, not 37 and a half, 40. Yeah. 23. I, 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 don't, I don't like it. I, I would bring – I do agree I would bring back Lukaku. I think that 
he is like the guy, and you can't sell Martinez either because yeah. it's a package. You bring you bring Lukaku back, it, it doesn't work if Martinez is not there. The two need to be together. It's like peanut butter and jam. You know what I mean? That's so good. True. Like, like you, 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 you got to have one with the other and it, slap it together and you, you go, right? So I, <laughs> I, I, I like Lukaku. I, I, I don't like him at Chelsea. I don't think, no. he, I don't think he fits their style of play. And, and I think the biggest downfall to him was breaking up with Antonio Conte because he is the only guy – Okay, he did well at Everton, uh, Lukaku. You can't say he didn't do well at Man United. He's but, done well with Belgium, too. Yeah, but I just think that he did his best under Conte. Not just scoring. The, his mentality. Um, he, he wasn't as fragile under Conte because he made him tougher. He made him stronger. Uh, he was by his side. He 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 had a coach that 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 appreciated him, and I think all those things. He's a, he's a, he's he's like Immobile. These guys, the minute it goes down, they're they're they're, they're lost. They don't know what to do. And I think the the biggest signing that that they should go after is not a striker. I'm gonna say Bremer is the most yeah. important player they should sign. Um, I know that you guys need a striker, and it's hard to find a good striker. Like I think no. I know that Immobile hasn't been the best for Italy. I'll be the first to admit that. But when it comes to Serie A, he's been the best striker probably in the last four or five years of consistency. And it's very hard to find another one like that because they're very rare. There are very few number nines, okay? But being a Lazio fan, defense is the most important thing. And that's what Inter has strived on for many seasons. What has made Inter successful? Not having a number nine. But having a good quality back end, they're, they season after season they're the one of the hardest teams to break down because they 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 concede one of the fewest goals each year. Now Devry is not getting younger. Bastoni is gonna get a year older next year and he'll mature more. Screener is not getting younger, but he's in his prime now. And you need somebody else to kind of look at who's the next guy to take over this back end now. And I think Brember is the kind of guy. Who comes in and and, and kind of leaps in and says, "Okay, you, now you're already building, and you got that 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 staple league guy in that back end, because Devry is gone. Yeah, and, he's gone. And 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 even if he stays, his game has declined significantly. Um, I I I think that Bremer is the, is the key guy to sign, and then after that, it, it, you go with what you have to. I think as bad as you guys need a striker, I think." Defense and midfield is what you really need because, and, and I say midfield second, strikers last for me for you guys. Okay, you got Barella, and you got Brozovic. Brozovic is a think about it. He's like a car that's been going for twenty years. Mileage is like three hundred thousand k, and you think that eventually the the, the the car is gonna break down in the middle of freaking Alaska or something. But like, you don't your options off the bench are so fucking limited. It's yeah, disgusting. Are. Vidal's gone. He's gone, um, yeah. Sensi can't stay healthy. I don't care. People are saying that we wish that he didn't go to Sampdoria. Okay, he stays. Who's to say that he even plays more than 10 minutes? You don't know that. It could have changed, considering how shit the pitch is at, at the uh, Miazza. It's garbage. Um, who else do you have? Gallardini? 
reminds me of a hockey player when you have to go freaking you gotta bring your checking line on you have he's to like he's a hockey oh goon he's a fourth line guy yeah exactly. man yeah. oh my god like and then you got um who else do you have vecino has gone okay he's going yeah, for sure yeah, I, I i see a lot of people shitting on him this season he, he he's got no part of inzaghi well, well, he's I, completely finished. I mean, actually, I, I think I think three or four years ago, I think Vecino would have been a really good player under Inzaghi. And I think even I can remember Lazio wanting to sign him in the past while Inzaghi was there. But Vecino is just he's so far past his expiration date. You just don't have enough options in your midfield. Like you start the same three every week with Bozovic, Barella and Hakan. Hakan. Yeah. What do you have after that, though? Like, we are going to need. I think Agume will come back and stay in our side next season. But we we are in desperate. We are in desperate need of two or three midfield signings yeah. immediately. Fratesi would the, be great. The good news is, is yeah. Fratesi would be great. So I guess the silver lining to our problem here, Jerry, is that we're not looking for two or three starters. We're looking for two or three bench options that you could say with your chest. Well, hey man, you're a lot more useful and better than Vecino and Galliardini. If they make that metric, that's what we're looking to sign. So hopefully, we can really get. Two or three options to join our midfield for depth that could put in more than a Vecino Gagliardini and something more consistent than Vidal. Because I'm not going to sit here and pretend that Vidal hasn't come on and put in 10 to 15 minute cameos that make you sit there and go, yeah, that's a good way to utilize a player like Arturo Vidal. Really just make sure that nobody gets anything done for 10 to 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, but Brozovic is not getting younger. And, and, and I know. I know you have starters, but these I, I just starters, hope there's uh, I, I hope there's something about Croatian midfielders because Luka Modric is like 50 and he still looks great out there. So so may, maybe there's something in the water there and maybe Brozovic will have the same sort of thing. Brozovic just signed his new contract. So you'll see it straight away. You'll see it straight away, whether or not he's ready for the next two or three years. Yeah, yeah but with Brozovic, he plays different than Modric because Brozovic really covers a lot of space, yeah. his intensity <laughs> level, like... Again, I don't watch Modric a lot either, so it's not – it's kind of like – can't really make the comparison. But the way I look at Brozovic is like he he's one of the few players that runs a lot every game, and that takes a toll on your body. Um, Yeah, so does Hakan follow up with another good year, or does he take a step back like he did with Milan? That's a big question mark. Like I think Hakan's been okay this year, but – there's always a question mark about that. Does he does he continue that consistency, or does he kind of take a step back in his game? He needs, he's inconsistent always. Yeah, he, he's he's someone. He's a very confidence player. He needs to be coddled. Like it wouldn't surprise. Like, he scored that big goal, the penalty kick against Juve. Uh, I I kind of wonder if now that's going to charge him up for the next few games where he's going to be in really good form because when he scored the PK against Milan. Uh, you know, early uh, early in the year, that really charged him up, and he was tremendous after that derby. So I'm kind of wondering if the same sort of thing is going to happen with him. But the uh, last thing, the last thing I would say is don't sign Dybala. I wouldn't sign Dybala. That's that's I'll, I'll simple simple and short. That's I think he's going to Barca. I think he's going to Barca. He suits that model perfectly of don't take a pay rise, take a pay cut, and come to pay play for the badge that you've always wanted to play for. Like everybody else has taken a pay cut and gone there. Just yeah. he hasn't proven in Champions League. Every time he's about to play a game, he gets hurt. So you don't know what you're getting with Champions League. Like he's hurt every week, and when he's healthy, there again consistency sometimes with him too. I, he's not getting younger again. He's he's in his prime now. Is he twenty eight now? Your body's 29 not twenty nine, maybe something like your that. Your body's yeah. not the same either, eh? So, no. 
So like, especially not his body. This guy, yeah, every every three seconds he picks up a knock. It's a lot of money for a guy who hasn't done much this season either. So, yeah. exactly. the, well, like, if you want nine million dollars, you should have scored against Inter. Like that. It's a it's a it's a Marotta rub salt in the wound signing. That's what it is, and that's why it's so important. To if you really want to sign Dybala next season, you have to win the Scudetto because mentally it looks like. You are taking a gamble on something where if it doesn't pay off, at least we rub salt into it as champions, whatever. But if you don't win the Scudetto, you try and sign Dybala, it makes it look like a reach, like you're really fishing for something that you don't really need. So you want to make a move as egotistical as that, make sure you're standing on top of the bunch. That's all I can say. That is excellent. We'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up on that note. Want to send thank yous to those who were active in the live chat. We thank you so much, Emiliano, the myth, the legend, the man himself, huh. Lord Figo. He absolute legend of Inter Twitter, uh, and he's back on Twitter. I, I, he took a hiatus. He's back. Sean, thank you so much. Football worldwide, thank you so much. Uh, Mario, our guy uh, M Gags, thank you huh. so much. Bruno, man, that reminds me. I because uh, I've got a young son. He loves the movie Encanto and that song. We don't talk about Bruno. No. <laughs> Stuck in my head, it is an earworm. We don't talk about Bruno. Uh, but thank you Bruno guys. Everywhere. <laughs> Anthony Privatera, let people know where they can find your work. Inter Worldwide and Football Worldwide, two platforms. Uh, one completely dedicated to Inter, the other one uh, dedicated to just talking about all European football. And um, stay tuned because Sydney's getting a very special visit from a very special former Inter and World Cup winner. And I'm really, really hoping to get a close glimpse. So who knows? We might be able to get something there. But thank you so much I, I to Alex and Joe. Is, is it Materazzi? Might be. Might be. I can't say anything, but we'll see what happens. But thank, thank you to you. Thank you to you both, Alex and Jerry, for keeping all your good work going on this platform. I love it, and everyone else does. Of course, Jerry. Man. Oh, and one more thing. One more thing. Right. If Alberto from the old Juve cast is watching this, um, I'm coming to collect my three compliments, my three nice intertweets um, that you wagered on my channel. The audacity of you to send a wager to me on my channel and think that, yeah, I wouldn't come to collect them. So Alberto, the head honcho of the all Juve cast, owes three nice intertweets to the world. I love it. We got cross show beef. That's great. Jerry, what about you, my friend? Anything you want to plug this week? Any writing you're doing? Uh, a piece on Toma Basic I did. I still have to tweet it out, but um, yeah, from the Laziale, and that's about it. Yeah, I got, I got four more articles I need to release that I've written like a year ago that I kind of like got to get done. But uh, other than that, yeah, I've taken a step back. I've been going for long walks. I went for a nice hour walk today, so... Yeah, I've kind of lost interest in writing now, to be honest. So, writing's a pain in the ass, man. I do it doing this; <laughs> it's so much more fun, like actually broadcasting. And the other thing is, like, I found this um, when you're doing, you know, a video show, radio show. If you say something ridiculous, people forget about it almost immediately. If you write something ridiculous, the screenshot is forever. <laughs> Yeah, right. I, I can get away. I can get away with a lot yep. podcasting. I'll say something really. I'll make a really bad match prediction. I'll talk about a player being the next big thing, and he flops. And no, very. I'm not gonna say no one because some people do remember, but a few people will remember when I say something stupid. If you write something stupid, that's forever. <laughs> 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 Writing is the worst, and I, I gotta send shout shout outs, of course, to 
to, to both of my friends here on this panel. Anthony is always great. And as soon as, uh, you know, he's, he's on a, a, a break now, seasonal break from his job and he's so quick to reach out and say, Hey, we got to do something. We got to take, which I love it. I love your enthusiasm. And I, I love uh, uh, Jerry. What a dude. He's been so supportive of uh, one of my new ventures. And even though I know people watching this may not be interested in this, but uh, I do uh, now a, a new daily college football American podcast for the Miami Hurricanes, who I cover down here in Florida, uh, the Locked on Canes podcast. If anyone's interested in supporting me there as well, you can subscribe to that. And Jerry, I don't I don't know if this guy's watched more than like one college football game in his entire life. He's been so supportive. He subscribed. Uh, he listens to the episode. So I cannot thank you enough for that, sir. And uh, for anyone else who wants to check those out and support our channel here, guys. If you're listening to the audio version, keep in mind we have a YouTube channel. You can actually look at our beautiful faces. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Calcio Connection. And please subscribe because I know we get a lot more viewers than people actually subscribe. So don't be a freeloader. Hit that, and it is free to subscribe. Hit that subscribe button, my friends. And if you watch us only on video, keep in mind you can get the audio-only version. Apple Podcasts, Google Pods, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, just search for Calcio Connection. And we will talk to you guys again. Oh, Ivano, you got in. Uh, we're, we're about to wrap it up. J Jerry, I'll let you answer this because my answer is no, assuming they're both healthy. Uh, no, no, Tammy is not better than OC men. Jerry, what do you think? No, I don't think he's better, but I think Tammy's proven me wrong. He's been better yeah. than, I, than I thought he would yeah. be. Yeah. So that, that I'll say. But I, I, I think OC men's a really good player. And I think he, if he never got hurt, I'll, I'll say that I think he would have been the best striker this season yeah. if he never got hurt. Like, yeah. injuries set him back. But, again, a lot of good strikers in City. Yeah, that, that's for sure. Coming yeah. up, up and coming. So Not enough good Italian strikers, though, except for yeah. not up and coming. But Cheeto, of course, uh, King Cheeto, but not, not enough good Italian Was, strikers. but he, he <laughs> strikers go on the decline at the age of 30, 31, right? Yeah. So it's it's undeniable. It's, it's – it happens at the end of the day. So all players decline. So no doubt. We will talk to you guys again next time on another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast. Ciao.